Welcome to Leading with Intention with Monique Daniel. Over the next hour, you're going to learn how to lead more efficiently and effectively in a post-pandemic world where the workplace has changed dramatically. Now, here's Monique. Welcome, everyone. I'm Monique Danaw, executive coach and your host for Leading with Intention. It's an important day today because this is the premier launch of this show. So thank you, everyone, for joining in to our first episode. And a special shout out to the Voice America staff for making all of this happen. Before I introduce my guest, I'd like to say a little bit about why I even wanted to do this show in the first place. As an executive coach, my mission and even my tagline has always been building better leaders worldwide. I truly believe in that, but I also know that there's very little support out there and very few resources for people in the workplace who are leading. So I wanted to start this show as a way to expand my reach to more people in the workplace. And it's my hope that you will use the show as a resource to grow and to learn. My guests will build you up, build your confidence, and build your expertise. So if you are a leader or aspiring to lead, I invite you to join me here every week at this time live or listen to the podcast later for tools, tips, and strategies on how you can be more effective in the workplace and ultimately lead with greater intention. My guest today is Lindsay Dowd. Lindsay is a top 10 coach featured on Apple News a speaker, author, and leadership expert, and she is also the founder of Heartbeat for Hire. Welcome, Lindsay. Thanks for having me, Monique. Great to be here on your inaugural first episode. I'm so honored. I know, and I'm so excited for you to be here, especially with everything you've got going on. You are doing a lot in your business right now, and you're doing some really important work with leaders in the workplace. Tell us a little bit about your background and how all of that got started. Oh, I'd love to. Um, so I've been a leader and I've been in sales for the last 26 years. And 23 of those years, I spent climbing the ranks at IBM. So I started in customer service and I worked my way up to executive. And I had an incredible run with great lessons along the way. And I made this decision. I was ready to leave. I wanted to try something new, work for a different company, learn a new space. And so I left and I went and worked for another company. And I was there for six months and I got fired. And anyone that knows me kind of scratches their head and goes, how did you have this beautiful decorated career? And then you go and get fired. How does that work? And um, it didn't work. It was extremely painful and probably one of the most um, difficult things I've ever had to go through from a career perspective. But at the time, after licking my wounds for about a month, I said to myself, okay, what do I love? What am I good at? And how can I help people the most? And I wrote this job description. And the job description was this chief heartbeat officer. And the chief heartbeat officer was an advisor to all of the sales leaders on how to build irresistible sales culture that drives results. I had just come from a really toxic environment. I knew what it felt like when it was wrong, 
but I also knew what it felt like when it was right. And I ran big organizations at IBM with enormous amounts of people banging down the door saying, I want to be on your team. I want to be a part of this. And I knew that this was something that needed to be done. So I was interviewing and I asked all these people, you know, they'd say, you can do so many things. What do you want to do? I'd say, I want to be your chief heartbeat officer. And their response was usually something along the lines of, what is that? We need that. I wish we had that. We don't have that. Good luck. And so I heard this over and over again. And I was just like, all right, I'm going to build it myself. And so I started Heartbeat for Hire and I became a speaker and a coach. And I coach leaders and I I coach individuals and groups um, on the importance of building this irresistible culture. And there's so much to talk about what's wrong in the world, but there's so much that's right. And what I teach is not impossible. It is not so difficult. These are things that are human behavior driven and um, totally attainable. Did you pretty much take your lessons learned from previous roles, previous companies, and create your template from that? Yeah. Things I, you didn't want to do, things you thought needed to be better? Yes. And you'll you'll see in our conversation, Monique, I'm a storyteller. So I use a lot of self-deprecating stories. I use a lot of humorous stories and some really gut-wrenching ones of what to do and what not to do. And I had beautiful examples of leaders at IBM and I had some not so great ones. And those not so great ones provided just as much um, value to me and my methodology that I built as the ones who were great. Um, So I'll give you a quick one to kick us off because this one was a really profound one. Um, I was managing a really large, very important account for IBM. And um, I was getting a new boss who was a friend of mine. And I started telling her what I was doing and my approach. And she stopped me and she said, girl, I've got your back. Now fly. And those words were so goosebump worthy then, and they're still goosebump worthy now. I have goosebumps just telling it. But what that gave me was the confidence and the assurance that I could take risks. I could try something new. I could look at my client in a way that we hadn't before and take my team of 55 and say, guys, we have an opportunity. Let's go crush this. Let's go think about it differently. What aren't we doing? How can we do this better? And that inspiration that she gave me I gave to my team and we closed huge deals as a result. So I knew that this was something I would always want to incorporate into my leadership style. And it's just a very profound thing when you hear those words. Um, so that's a that's a, a simple, good, positive way to get us warmed up. And it sounds like her words gave you the confidence to like you had the skill set, you needed the confidence and you needed those words. What do you think about leaders now? Because what I'm finding in my business is that many leaders do have the skill set. They just don't have the confidence. Yeah, I, I say this are you all the time. That too? Leaders are not, you're not coming out of the womb as a leader. Yes, there are people that are naturally the ones that, you know, marshal the troops forward. And that those characteristics, of course, exist. But good leadership is learned and you can't be what you can't see. So you have to have those good examples. And if you've never had those good examples, you have to look elsewhere for them. So I'm really trying to help change this, really have a paradigm shift of leadership as we know it, because 
you know, you see these beautiful examples of Sir Richard Branson and his motto is, if I take care of my people, they'll take care of the clients and everything else. And he believes that and they do. And you've got the CEO of Zoom who tells his entire staff he loves them on every all hands call. That is not a typical leadership but he also believes in fun and he has a fun squad. And I'm not kidding. He really does have a fun squad. My friend is on it. <laughs> but these are newer ways to lead that people are talking about openly. And I, some people call them soft skills. I call them power skills. And these power skills are what makes the difference of somebody who can just do their job to somebody who's inspiring, someone you love to work for, and someone you'd stick your neck out for. Um, and that's the big difference. I mean, and we, we'll get into this, but the big question I always ask people, especially in sales, is why did you get into leadership in the first place? Was it just that next step in your career? Or was it you really find joy in the success of others? If you do, you're in the right place. I have so many examples of, of in my career of people that were phenomenal sellers. I mean, really, really good, crushing it. But the reason they were so good was because they were so self-possessed. They were so focused. They didn't care about anybody else. They're not the right people to put in a leadership role. And that's something that I think um, when you're in, when you have that opportunity to, prom to promote someone, you need to ask the question, why do you want to be a leader? Why do you want to be a manager? And what about that, this role inspires you? If that question's not asked enough. You coach teams and you also coach individuals within companies. Are you finding that many leaders are in the role for the wrong reasons? Yeah, I do. And I think you've heard the words, you know, toxic workplace or toxic culture or um, people don't quit companies, they quit bosses. You know, these are all really common, really true things. Um, and and yeah, it is on the, the senior leadership to recognize where the toxic hotspots are. And, you know, one of the things that I love to do, and I did this myself, it's a very humbling action step that you can take. But if you are a leader, the first thing or one of the things you ought to be asking your team is, how can I be the best leader for you? And when you ask that question, you are going to get wildly different answers from everyone you talk to. And that's based on age. It's based on tenure. It's based on goals. It's based on experience. You're going to hear things like, I really need a coach, or I really need someone to role play with, or I don't understand my job, or get the hell out of my way because I just need you as an escalation point. Whatever those answers are, it starts the foundation of trust. And without trust, it's just a job. And people aren't going to give you their best performance when it's just a job. So it changes just a job to being inspired, to being excited, to doing the impossible and doing the things you've never done before. And I think that's a great question that managers can ask their people. That's a great next step. And I always like when a guest gives people very practical next steps that they can just yeah. do right away. Because when you're talking about shifting culture, it's a very overwhelming concept. <laughs> Yeah, and shifting more, toxic culture. <laughs> one more thing on that. If you are running an organization and you start to use this practice widely and you ask all of your managers to do this, guess what? You've almost got a happiness meter. 
you can tap any leader on the shoulder and say, tell me what's going on in the field. And they'll say, okay, I've got two flight risks. I've got two that need more training. I've got one who absolutely loves her job, but she's not being challenged enough. We need to look at her for a possible promotion. Oh my gosh, there's so much value in that. There's so much value knowing what you've got to work with and understanding the talent on your team. You're going to understand things that you didn't know about them before, like so-and-so loves analytics, so-and-so loves speaking. Let's give her an opportunity to speak on the next all-hands call. You just become a far better advocate for your people when you know the answers to these questions. And I think when managers can ask the question, the next step for them is to listen because I'm finding that a lot of managers do way more talking than listening. And they're out there trying to solve the problems of their people instead of empowering their people to solve their own problems and just not enough listening or building trust, like you said. And that goes a long way to shifting culture. Well, and I think the other thing that you can also ask, it's a real easy one, is what have you loved about the jobs that you've had before? And when you ask this question, not everybody knows the answer. And I'm talking about the question before of how can I be the best manager for you? Sometimes that's a pretty overwhelming moment for that employee. Like, I, I don't I don't know. I don't, I don't know how to answer that. I, I have to think about it for a minute and then I'll get back to you. But a next step could be, what have you loved about the jobs you've had in the past? Because then you can you can understand, okay, so this person is motivated by this kind of behavior, or this person liked that she was recognized, or this person really felt empowered when he was given opportunities to, you know, take on delegation work. You know, there, there's all kinds of things that motivate people, but you understanding what motivates the people helps you keep your people engaged and inspired. And, you know, we saw this shift with the great hiatus, otherwise known as the pandemic, um, all these people were leaving their jobs in droves. They had been fed up. They weren't going to be, they weren't going to tolerate bad treatment anymore. They really felt they deserved better. And so the conversation has changed. And now we're seeing leaders really have to focus on these power skills. We're seeing, you know, chief wellness officers and chief heart officers. And I mean, I love that big companies are putting these roles in place. I, I think that's something we've never seen before. And power skills, there's a lot under that umbrella. Oh yeah. How do you go about working with people and helping them learn the power skills, because there's so many, that's a big job in and of itself. Where do you yeah, start I mean, with that? I'll just say this. Power skills aren't hard. None of this is hard. I'll give you some, I'll give you a few examples. One, sharing the spotlight. This is so easy. And I, there are so many insecure leaders out there that think, if I tell everyone that Monique's idea was her idea, then they're going to think I'm not doing anything. Dude, Monique works for you. So <laughs> Monique makes you look good. You putting the spotlight on her and saying how great she is looks good on you. Being a generous leader is something that is easy to do. Complimenting people widely. Having people that support your team be recognized on your team calls. Hey, Sally helped us get this deal done, you guys. We couldn't have done it without her. She's coming on the call today. I want you all to celebrate her. She's not going to know that's coming. But you know what? The next time we need Sally or anyone on her team, 
they're going to be ready. They want to be recognized too. It fosters this positivity and some friendly competition. So that's an easy one. Recognition goes right hand in hand with sharing the spotlight. And most managers have a recognition budget of some kind. And yes, you can recognize people with cash and prizes and points and gift cards and those things, but there are small things that you can do that are um, not hard. And, you know, if someone has done something really exceptional on your call and or on your team, it, tell your direct reports or the top brass, we need to feature this person on the all, next all hands call. What they did was fantastic. It might not have been the biggest deal we ever did, but what she did was so innovative and so important, everyone could learn from it. Recognition can be done at any time. And making sure that you're telling people that you appreciate their work, you see what they're doing is really important, but recognizing it widely is really impactful. What kind of a shift have you been seeing in leadership over the past couple of years? Yeah, I, I think the the big shift, we kind of touched on it before, is we're seeing these new roles um, that have never existed before. You know, Gary Vanderchuk is probably one of the, the biggest voices out on social media from a career perspective, and he has a chief heart officer. And um, he is always focused, <laughs> uses a lot of profanity and a lot of tough language, but he is really focused on honoring people and, you know, letting them do the jobs they were hired for. And that's a really big theme that I talk a lot about. But I think we're seeing this be, um, you know, I'm hoping that the, the style of micromanagement is going to fall by the wayside, but that is such a an insecure leadership style. Um, and it's uh, it's so damaging and nobody has ever been inspired by micromanagement. So for anybody that's on the the, the call or on the, the radio show listening today and they know that this is something that they do, give your people the space to do the jobs they were hired for. They got there for a reason. Let them do their jobs. And if they're not doing it well, find out why. Find out what's in the in the in their way. What are the obstacles that you can remove? Because that's your job. You know, finding the way to inspire them, finding the way that they feel most empowered. That's what you have to find out. So these are all really common things that we're seeing leaders start to talk about. And I'm so happy about it. Well, definitely your work is cut out for you as, as it is for anyone doing the work that you're doing. And we're going to take a quick break here. We've been talking to Lindsay Dowd about corporate culture, toxic culture, power skills, things that leaders can do to improve their culture. So stay tuned. We will be right back to hear more of Lindsay's suggestions for leaders. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. At MD Consulting, we provide executive coaching to leaders struggling with workplace challenges and pain points. Unlike other coaching companies that use a Band-Aid approach, we have a specific set of tools and processes to thoroughly root cause and unpack a client's challenges. Our specialized method helps you implement measurable and sustainable solutions to enhance your leadership skills and develop your team. Visit www.mdconsultingglobal.com to book a complimentary breakthrough session. 
Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to Leading with Intention with Monique Daniel. Have a question for Monique or her guests? Email Monique at Monique at MDConsultingGlobal.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. I'm Monique. We're here with Lindsay Dowd, and we've been talking about toxic culture in the workplace and what leaders can do to improve that. Lindsay, what are some ways that leaders can recognize if they have a culture problem? Oh, yeah, this is a good one. Um, so if you had people that are that were once very talkative and now they're seemingly disengaged, they're not speaking out on team calls anymore. If you had people that were frequently posting on LinkedIn or social media about the great things your company's doing and now they're not posting anymore, um, these are good indications you might have a problem. And if you're a leader and you can feel that detachment, first of all, I hope you can feel the detachment. If you can't and you don't recognize it, maybe you need to stop and look. Um, but I always knew if I had some difficult news I had to share with my team and they didn't like it, I could see the disconnect. I could see the, I don't like what I'm hearing kind of behavior. And it was my job to get under that, let them, let them be heard. Um, it's really important your people feel valued and seen. Now, People are going to complain about things they don't want or changes to policy or changes to comp plans or, you know, they're going to complain about things they don't like. But complaining and disengagement are two different things. And you can field complaints and you can turn things and explain why. But I think part of your job as a leader is to provide perspective about what their role actually does for the company. And I don't think a lot of leaders understand how important that is. Um, when you can define back to your team that our work and this deal helps us do X, Y, Z, their work feels more impactful. They feel less like a number and more like, I have some power here to actually change the trajectory of our company. That's valuable. And I had a lot of people I worked for, occasionally I'd have them pop up and say, okay, what does this do for us? How does this, how does this help us hit our numbers? And if we do these things, what does that mean? And it was really a thoughtful thing for them to ask. And it was, it was my job to make them to tell them what that was. Um, and I think it's important that you ask if you don't know, so you can give that back to your team. 
But I think, you know, providing that clarity is really, really important. And I know through my coaching practice, I get a lot of leaders that don't understand how to tie that vision and the strategic plan into the day-to-day work that their people are doing. Yeah. So their people are disengaged because their people don't understand how they fit in to the puzzle yeah. or the whole. It's important. It is you very know, the important. Other- Sorry, the other thing too, Monique, is, you know, if you're a leader and you suspect you have a gut feeling, I mean, trust those instincts. If you have a gut feeling that there is a team that is struggling under a specific leader, make a call, ask them to have a coffee chat, find out what's going on, let them be, let, give them that safe space and that psychological safety of, I honor what you're telling me. I want to make things better for you. And I want to understand what's going on in the team. And this isn't, you know, a witch hunt, but I want to understand so we can do better. Um, If you can't get the information you need from the leader in question, you have to take those steps. And if you ignore it, you're just an irresponsible leader. So it's, it's on you to create that environment where people feel safe. And, you know, some people kind of poo-poo that, but guys, if if you learn nothing in the last year, there's a huge conversation going on about mental health. Mental health is something that is extremely important that we have never valued really up until recent times. And having that, I've got your back kind of moments, or you need time, like take the rest of the day, or you seem to be struggling. What can I do to help? Do you need time away? Can you take that mental health day? And and people, let me just say, boundaries are healthy. If you know you are beyond your limit, you have to speak up. You have to say, I I just need a break. I have to take half a day or I'm, I'm feeling so overwhelmed. I need help. Asking for help doesn't make you look bad. You just have to figure out how to do it. Um, And whining and complaining is not asking for help. Asking for help is, I had a, this is actually a great story. I had um, very early in my career, I had a boss and um, I was so excited about the job I had and I had so many observations I wanted to share and I would race into her office and I would tell her all the things that were wrong with the way we were doing things and I would list them and this and this and this. And after like the third time of me doing this, she says to me, you know, Lynn's, you are really astute and very observant. And I appreciate you bringing all of these things to me, but you never bring me solutions. I was horrified. I was so, I was the girl that bitches. Like, this is terrible. Look. And it taught me, okay, if I have something negative, I have to come back with, okay, this isn't working, but I've thought about a way we could do something different. So you will always be seen as a solution provider versus the girl who bitches, which is a bad look for anyone. And it's so important for leaders to be aware. I think that was a big point you were making with the whole mental health piece and understanding what's going on with their people. They have to be aware. And sometimes leaders, well, first of all, there's so much in the weeds where they shouldn't be that they don't have time to be aware. But even if they're not in the weeds, they still are caught up in what they're doing on a daily basis. And they're not paying enough attention to their people, to that emotional side. So when someone suddenly ends up burned out and having to go out on FMLA or something like that, it takes the leader by surprise. 
when really if they had been holding conversations ongoing yeah. with their people, they might know this. Or oh, if they had been point. if uh, they had Monique, been I mean, using some of these power skills like empathy or listening, they yeah. might know sooner. I had uh, quite a few leaders that I've worked with over the years that would say things like, I don't have time for one-on-ones. And um, especially in sales, because they're quota driven and it's the most important deal of the most important week of the most, most important month of the most important quarter of the most important half of, you know, on and on it goes. And you have to make time. You have to, I mean, probably I'm going to go out on a limb here and say, there are probably a handful of meetings that you're uh, asked to join during the week that could be solved with an email or a Slack. And taking that time back and giving it to your people is going to benefit you way more than any of those meetings where you're just repeating what you forgot from the last time. So, so it sounds like one of the things that leaders can do is immediately is to look at their calendar, look at the things that were the meetings they have to be at mm-hmm. and those that they don't and try to become a little more efficient with Absolutely. their time. And then they might have more time to, devote to their staff. Absolutely. And I think, you know, now with tools like Slack and, you know, instant message and even texting, you know, you can solve a lot of stuff very quickly. You don't necessarily need a 30 minute time block to solve something that can be done in the first, you know, and then you've got the, it takes five minutes before the meeting even gets started. And we're waiting for so-and-so because they're running long and, you know, you just lose time that way. Um, but I also think that comes back to the boundaries and whoever scheduled the meeting say, I, I need this time. I have to talk to one of my people. They're so important to me. Um, so I'll, I'll work with you on Slack to solve this issue, but it's not going to happen right now. Um, and you can't feel bad about it. You, you just, I mean, nobody's going to get mad at you for saying, I need to take care of my people. Tell us a little bit about inverted management. Yeah, inverted management was that question that started with the question of how can I be the best manager for you? It's it's flipping it. And instead of saying, this is my style, this is how I lead, which we've all experienced. Um, I, you know, whenever a leader leaves an organization, and if they were a really great leader, they leave a vacuum. Um, and it's very hard for the next leader to come in. And most leaders will not take the time to understand why that leader was revered, why that leader was so beloved that they, they will just steamroll in with their style. And this is how I do it. Y'all have to accept it. And let's go. And I think, um, there's the flip side of it too, as an employee, when a new leader comes in, welcoming them and saying, hey, you know, I run this part of your business. I'm really looking forward to working with you. I'm here to help. If you need help navigating the organization or knowing who does what, just ring. I am a a text away or a slack away. And, you know, I want to help. When you, every leader I've ever done that for has found an ally in me and it's helped me as much as it's helped them. Um, I think that's a very easy practice to put in place. Um, but I think taking the time to understand, you know, if a leader wasn't well liked, understand why, because that will tell you a lot about the climate you're walking into. Um, and understanding when if they were well liked. I mean, I remember one leader in particular, she was so loved by everybody in the organization that when she left, there wasn't just a panic. 
there were actual tears. Like it, it felt like the ground had fallen out below us. And we were like, what's next? Who's coming? No one's going to hold a candle to her. She gave us space to do our jobs. Oh crap. What's coming. And you know, I can't, I can't put any fault on the leader that left. It was her, you know, her trajectory she needed to go on. But the one coming in took zero time to get to know us. And she just steamrolled her way in. And it was um, not a great uh, experience for any of us. Over break, we were talking about some people that need to just leave an organization after their leaders may have, I see this all the time, their leaders have worked with them. Maybe the leader's doing everything right, listening, using those power skills, but it comes down to where it's just not a good fit. What have you seen when it comes to that? Well, we all come across these moments where um, you realize someone's in the wrong role And if people are suffering beneath a leader, you have to take action and you've got to do it swiftly. You don't want to be careless about it, but you have to do your investigation. You have to understand what's going on, why that team feels disengaged, why they're not performing, because usually there's an element of that that's happening, or they could be performing, but they're really unhappy. Um, If you do nothing and if you let them stay where they are, you are allowing a cancer to grow. You you will continue to build a toxic environment that will snowball and it will hurt you in the long run. And you are an irresponsible leader for doing that. When you remove a leader that is toxic, you are respected. You are um, you you earn so much more clout by protecting your people. And yeah, those conversations suck. No one ever wants to have to be in that role. But as a leader, that's part of the job. You have to make these decisive moves. And, you know, I talk a lot about culture and people are like, it's and soft and soft skills. It's actually hard stuff. And, you know, especially because I talk about heartbeats, not headcount, I'm putting heart and humanity first It doesn't mean we don't have hard conversations. You have to, and you have to be able to assess what kind of trouble you've got. If it's a coaching situation, maybe they just need a coach. That's sometimes a great way to remedy someone you think has potential. If they don't have potential, and maybe they were one of those killer sales reps that got in the role for the wrong reasons, and they don't inspire their team, and they don't understand why their people aren't doing exactly what they did, because that's a big problem. You know, those are the people that need some self-awareness. A coach could be a really good solution for them, um, but sometimes they just have to go. Yeah, and I think in my work, I have found that a lot of leaders wait way too long to release people. And it's because they don't like conflict. They don't like to have the difficult conversations. They feel bad for the person. Of course. And I think sometimes that's when maybe there's too much empathy, (laughs) you know, so that it's so much that they can't make the hard decisions. They can't have the hard conversations and they really are doing a disservice, not only to the team, but to the person who needs to go because there could be something way better for that person on the other side. 
you're so right. And, you know, one of the things I talk a lot about is language choice and communication. And, you know, there are ways to have these hard conversations without being a total schmuck. Um, and there are ways to handle with care. Um, there are ways to say, I see your potential. I see all these things that you are so good at. I just think you're in the wrong role. And I want to advocate for you to get to the right role. These are the things I think you're so good at. And I would love to see you do more of. Um, and, you know, another another tenet of my methodology is building that culture of advocacy. You know, let me broker a conversation with this person because they need someone like you on their team. It's it's a different talk uh, than I, I don't think you're right for this role. You got to go. Like, at least you're saying, let me help you. I want to see you in the right role and I want to see you flourish. You work with mainly salespeople. <laughs> That's funny. Yes. Um, that was how I designed my company. However, I work with all kinds of people and sales just happens to be the hardest environment and the one I'm most familiar with. But I have people that come to me from marketing and, you know, I'm working with a scientist right now. So, I mean, it, I come, I get all kinds of people who recognize that what I teach isn't just uh, isolated to sales. It's actually everything. But yes, sales is is my specialty. So the framework that you use for your sales teams or the way that you started out is applied to yeah. anybody, any team, any type of organization in you a bet. company, any industry? Yeah. I, I mean, that, that's the other funny thing. I mean, I didn't expect to be working with um, legal firms. I didn't expect to be working with, um, you know, a lot of these companies that call me and, and I'm happy to do it. It's the leadership practices that I've learned are universal and it's sales is the language I've always spoken. So it's easy for me to talk that way. And the pressure is the hardest in sales. So I figure if I can do it there, we can apply it in other places just fine. I have found that visibility is really important for leaders yeah. and I'm seeing that a lot of them don't really know how to brand themselves. They don't understand the importance of it or anything like that. Let's talk a little bit about that and oh. then we'll take a break and come back and probably finish talking about it because it's a huge topic yeah. and, and it's not, a, it's important, I think, for people to brand themselves internally, but also outside of their organization externally. Can you tell us a little bit about that before we yeah, go Yeah, this break? is one of my favorite topics. And there's a, a great guy on LinkedIn um, named Kevin Turner. And he he says, you need to avoid personal blanding. You got to focus on personal <laughs> branding. And um, I, I can't wait to dig in on this with you. But yes, I mean, LinkedIn is kind of a platform that I think leaders really need to um, zhuzh up their game um, and, and really level up because it's a powerful platform. There's so much goodness out there. And yeah, we'll totally dig in after the break. Yeah. And I know uh, you've got a really great program coming up too, that you'll be telling people about before we leave here today about LinkedIn and everything that's you're doing to help people, you know, be more present on LinkedIn. Yes. We've been talking to Lindsay Dowd about fascinating topics, leadership, listening, being an advocate for your people, inverted management, all kinds of topics. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to hear a little bit more or a lot more about personal branding for leaders. So stay tuned. We'll be right back.
follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. At MD Consulting, we provide executive coaching to leaders struggling with workplace challenges and pain points. Unlike other coaching companies that use a Band-Aid approach, we have a specific set of tools and processes to thoroughly root cause and unpack a client's challenges. Our specialized method helps you implement measurable and sustainable solutions to enhance your leadership skills and develop your team. Visit www.mdconsultingglobal.com to book a complimentary breakthrough session. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to Leading with Intention with Monique Daniel. Have a question for Monique or her guests? Email Monique at Monique at MDConsultingGlobal.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. I'm Monique. We're here with Lindsay Dowd. Before break, we started talking a little bit about personal branding for leaders. So we're going to dig more into this topic now in this final segment of the show. So Lindsay, you do a lot of work with leaders around personal branding. So tell us why that's even important for leaders. Yeah, I mean, the the first thing I love to tell people is there is no such thing as job security. There is only career security. And what I see is, I mean, most people, especially if you're in a corporate environment, you haven't leveraged LinkedIn as much as you could. And entrepreneurs figure out really quick why LinkedIn is so powerful, because that becomes their network, that becomes their source of business. Coaches understand this. But if you've been in a corporate environment, nobody is showing you the importance or the value of this incredible platform. And I've got a workshop coming up, as we mentioned, and it's, you know, I call it, so you say you have a voice. I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you. Your profile was on mute. So if you have an opinion, if you have a passion, if you have something that you sell or a part of your company that you are extremely passionate about, you need to let people know that's what you stand for. And if you don't, you're just an online resume. And that isn't very exciting. So I do a lot of coaching with my clients where we do these LinkedIn overhauls. And so this workshop is going to be an hour of taking people through the architecture of their profile, showing them why they need to focus on certain things, the kind of content that should be in each of the pieces, 
And I am not suggesting that this is going to make you this prolific social media maven. What this is going to do is to get you presentable, get you zhuzhed up and ready to go out into the wild. But the reality is, if you want someone to look at you, and if you want to be taken seriously, and make no mistake, if you are selling something and your client gets your name, the first thing they're going to do is look you up on LinkedIn. So you really got to make sure you're polished, you're clean, and you have a clear voice. You know, I, I chuckle when I see, um, sometimes I'll see profiles that'll say, having fun, or like that's their title. Or it'll say like um, something very technical that nobody understands. Um, and, you know, my rule of thumb is if you can explain it to your mom and she understands it, you're on the right track. So, you know, think about simple, think about ways that people understand who you are. And that's really how you begin to hone your voice. The other thing is just building engagement. So if you follow a specific hashtag that's related to something you do, maybe it's supply chain, maybe it's digital forensics, maybe, you know, it's marketing and you follow those hashtags, look at who the loudest voices are. Comment on the articles they're sharing or the things they're saying. And don't expect anything in return, but explain why you liked it. Don't just like it. You got to say more than five words, and you got to say, I liked it because, or this resonated for me because. And what will happen is your engagement increases, your visibility increases, people want to connect with you, and your network will grow. And I don't think there's a person out there that is unhappy with a growing network. <laughs> so your your network is your net worth and you've got to invest where you think your clients are. So you've got to spend time and make sure that you're recognized as a voice uh, for that subject. That was something I was very, very intentional about when I started Heartbeat for Hire. And, you know, IBMers knew me and friends and family knew me but my clients knew me, but outside of that, no one knew who I was. So I really had to make sure that if you looked up hashtag sales culture, you saw me. And if you look that up now, like 90% of that hashtag is mine. So if anybody goes out to that hashtag, you'll see me. You'll also see another hashtag, heartbeats, not headcount. Now that's not a widely used hashtag, but you know what? If anyone looks it up, they'll see a whole bunch of my content. So I'm very selective about those things that I do, and I'm intentional with why I do them that way, but I'm going to teach you all these practices when we go through that workshop coming up in March. Sometimes leaders don't even really know how to articulate their value or their mission statement or anything like that, and you need that at least in the beginning to create yeah. LinkedIn and to create your profile. Yeah. How do you work with them? Where do you start with them if they don't even know that part? Yeah, I think um, this comes under the category of refining your talk track and making sure that you have a smart, concise story that represents who you are. And my one saying that I say to everybody is you are so much more than your job. Don't just put vice president of business development or VP of marketing. You're more than that. You're a people leader. You are, you know, passionate about sustainability. You are, you know, all of these things that should be a part of that, um, you know, your headline. And I think um, recently I, I had someone on my podcast and the question I always start with is, tell me your story. And that's easy for people in the, for the most part. 
I, but getting it concise where it makes sense and you're not talking about grandma's doilies and you're really like focused on, you know, what, what, why do you, why are you here? What do you, what value do you bring? Um, and why would anybody want to work with you? You, you need to ask yourself those questions and you need to be able to tell it back. And oh, by the way, guys, for those of you that have been laid off or fired, this becomes part of your story. It becomes part of your narrative. I told you all I got fired. That was one of the most embarrassing, shameful, painful experiences that I went through. But it's part of my story. It's part of what gave me the fire to start my company. And it's it's part of what gave me power and gave me inspiration. So, so much of what I teach is about resilience and owning those uncomfortable things. Or if you had to take a leave of absence for mental health, or if you had to deal with some substance abuse issues, hit them head on. Say why you're passionate about helping others in that space. It, there's This is a common thing for people. It's not so taboo to talk about it anymore, um, but there's a way to do it that doesn't discount you and it it gives you power in your narrative. I think that's an important point because there's a lot of shame around whether a person was terminated or laid yeah. off and they don't really know how to talk about it. They so true. want to more or less cover it up and glaze over it rather than have it become a part of their story. So I think it is really important that leaders understand how to tell that story, how to incorporate these things into who they are and let that lead them to the a better position or a better company or a better culture, less toxic. Yeah. So some really important work that you're doing, um, especially with the LinkedIn, the visibility. And once someone has the LinkedIn profile created, I mean, you've got to use it to network, right? Oh, yeah. And you've got yeah. to reach out. <laughs> and I, I I don't think people fully understand the power there. You know, networking feels intimidating to a lot of people. And you, you know, before you start, you anticipate, I don't know how I'm going to like make make this be an interesting conversation or, you know, Here's the here's the best tip I can give you. If someone inspires you, start with compliments. Send them a message on LinkedIn. I loved your post. It resonated with me so much because of XYZ. I love the content you put out there. Would you ever be open to a coffee chat? I'd love to learn more. You're not asking for anything for you. You are just telling that person you admire them. Most people will receive that really well. And they would like to take the time to get to know you, especially if they see that you're adding value and you're putting good content out too. Now, does it mean you don't have any value if you don't put out a lot of content? No, but if you're engaging and you're talking to people and you're um, letting it be known that you have an opinion and you have some feelings, it's going to bode well for you. Um, so I think the best advice I can give is your network can be incredible. Um, and just like I said, you know, surfing those hashtags and finding the people that you really admire and the, the experts, those are the people you're going to want to continually engage with. And oh, by the way, if you have clients, there's a really lovely feature at the top of everyone's LinkedIn profile. It's a bell. If you click that bell, you will get notified of every single post that that person makes. And you will know 
what kind of opinion and feelings they have. So it's a great thing to follow. Um, I love doing that with people that I really love because then I don't miss any content. A lot of times my clients tell me that they're only connecting with people that they already know Mm. on LinkedIn. And my response back to that is if you're only connecting with people you know, you're not building your network. You're it's you're defeating the purpose of what networking really is because Agreed. networking is reaching out to people you don't know. Agreed. And getting to know them and then possibly using them in the future or providing them with some kind of value in the future. I mean, so do you agree uh, with that? Yes, yes. In fact, there was a phenomenon going on last year um, called Social Saturday um, on LinkedIn. And there was a woman, her name was Victoria, and she started this and I call it a movement because that's totally what it became. Um, She used the hashtag social Saturday and she said, I don't believe you have to know everyone in your network to meet people. So if you would like to add a hundred connections this weekend, comment here, introduce yourself, say who you are, what you do. And if you're open to connecting and she's still doing it, her posts every week, get thousands of comments. They get thousands of likes and anybody that I've sent to go and participate in this, they are like, oh my gosh, I just got, you know, 80 new people that I wasn't connected to before. Now is every good, everyone going to be valuable? Is every one going to be a client? Of course not. I mean, I kind of joke, I'm trending really hard in some countries that I probably wouldn't do business with, but it's, it's just the nature of the beast. You don't have to connect with everybody, but it's a way to certainly increase your profile. And that's not necessarily what everyone should do. It's just a big time example of how um, what you just said, it, it can be it can be done. But I am I love meeting new people. I love being connected to new people. And when people comment on my posts, and they say, I want to connect with you more. If I find their profile interesting, of course, I want to talk to them. And that's how I get a lot of my podcast guests. So yeah, I think uh, that's where the bulk of my podcast guests come from is LinkedIn. Besides your workshop on LinkedIn, what other topics do you have workshops on? What other topics do you speak on? Yeah. So um, today I'm talking about heartbeats, not headcount. We're talking about branding too, but I do a whole heartbeats, not headcount speaking engagement um, for companies. And it's really, I've had as many as 300 leaders. I've had um, women's organizations, you know, business resource groups um, or employee resource groups, um, all different uh, configurations of folks that understand that the culture belongs to all of us. And um, it's not just the leaders that have to set the tone. Everybody's responsible for building that good culture. So that's another talk that I do. And I will be doing a workshop on that um, late in the month. Um, and then I do a lot of individual coaching right now. There's got a bunch of different clients and we're 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 doing a bunch of different things. I do some sales coaching. I'm doing a lot of career, career coaching, which I didn't expect to be doing, but um, I certainly uh, see the value and they're doing really well as a result. Um, And then of course, there's just leadership coaching as well. So um, that's all happening. So yeah, there's, there's a whole lot and there's the podcast and then there's this stuff and um, which I really, really enjoy. Where can our listeners find you? Yeah. So my website is heartbeatforhire.com. All of my socials are connected there. As you already heard, I'm very active on LinkedIn, but I'm also on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, um, I don't think I'm missing any. So, yeah. Well, you're really doing some great work. Do you have any 
final piece of advice for our listeners as we wrap up here? Yeah, I, my advice, if you are a leader and you're listening, I hope these words resonated with you. Um, but there are always things to learn. Everyone is a lifelong learner. And for those of you that have been doing it this way for 20 years with a lot of success, I congratulate you, but you still have things to learn. And um, I think the, the best leaders understand that and they hire coaches or they take classes. And those are things that I wish for everybody. Lindsay, thank you so much for being here today. A lot of great information for our listeners. And thanks to all of you for tuning in. If you have any questions for me that you want me to address on a show, you can email me at monique at mdconsultingglobal.com. You can connect with me on LinkedIn at mdconsulting or all my social on the website, mdconsultingglobal.com. Come back again next week and don't forget to lead with intention. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Leading with Intention. Our intention is that you walk away from this show today with new tools, techniques, and insights that help you lead more effectively and have greater impact within your company. Until we talk again, have a great week.